Hello, you're listening to the Science of Everything podcast, episode 70, Animal Diversity, part 2. And I'm your host, James Fodor. So this episode continues directly on from uh, the previous episode, uh, unsurprisingly, Animal Diversity, part 1, where I uh, went through and discussed the diversity of the animal kingdom right through uh, and looked at all the different phyla. And particularly, I also focused on uh, the, the orders within the uh, chordate phyla, which is where humans sit. In this episode, I'm going to move on to talk about our favorite class of chordates, which are the mammals, 5,500 species. And we'll be going through these in a rather a bit more detail than we have been for the other uh, classes, because obviously humans are mammals, and most of the animals that we sort of know about and are familiar with are also mammals, and so I think it's a bit particularly useful to have an understanding of how the um, mammalian class uh, is structured and fits together. So I'll actually be going through all of the main families uh, of the mammalian class, which is actually fairly low down in the taxonomic hierarchy. If you recall, family is uh, the second lowest uh, level of classical level of classification, just uh, above genus and then and then species. Okay, so let's make a start. If you perhaps have perhaps recall from having heard before, mammals are essentially animals that have fur and suckle their young. They, they or give birth to live young, which they then suckle, as opposed to uh, birds and reptiles and amphibians, which lay eggs. Except when mammals don't, which is uh, brings me now to discussing the, the first main group of uh, mammals, which is actually a subclass, and these are the monotremes. Monotremes are a very special, strange uh, order of mammals. So this is an order within the within the class of mammals. The echidna and the platypus, each of which have their own family, found in Australia. And they were a very big surprise when they were uh, first discovered by Europeans because it, it was thought that mammals don't lay eggs. They give birth to live young. But echidnas and platypuses are the, the exception because they do uh, lay eggs, but also have many of the other characteristics of mammals. So they're a, a strange sort of cross-combination there, and that's why they're given their own uh, their own order, monotremes, but only two species in that. Moving on to the, the next main branch of mammals, which uh, is uh, sometimes called the, an infraclass or a subclass. I guess that doesn't really matter for our purposes. We might, might call it a subclass. It's like a, a subcategory within the, the mammalian class, um, metatheria. And these are the marsupials. So they carry their young in a pouch. And these are mostly found in Australia and, and South America, also some in New Guinea, I believe. There are several orders of, of marsupials, about 330 different species in total, so much fewer uh, than, than the total number of mammal species, um, but still a fair amount of diversity, certainly much more than the monotremes. Before we dive into the marsupials, however, I just want to introduce the other main sort of subclass within the class of mammals, which uh, is called eutheria, and these are the placental mammals. So these are mammals that where the, the fetus is nourished using a placenta, which is different to how it's done in marsupials, who, um, where the, the young are uh, nurtured inside the pouch. So that's the main difference between the metatheria subclass and the subclass of the eutheria, or the placental mammals. Most mammals that we know about, or that, you, that you know, we're familiar with, are placental mammals, about 5,200 species, and then there's maybe 300 or so species of marsupials, and then uh, in addition to that, there are the two species of uh, egg-laying mammals, um, in the subclass 
called Theria, or as we said before, the order Monotremes. So those are sort of the three main big groups of, of, of mammals, but mo- most mammals do fit into the class of placental mammals, so that's what we'll spend most of our time talking about. We've already discussed the Monotremes, the weird exception egg-laying mammals, Platypus and Echidna. Now we're going to dive into a little bit more detail into the, the Metatheria, the, the marsupials. So there, uh, there are maybe half a dozen or, or so uh, major orders, uh, again, about 330 species in total. Uh, one order is has about 100 species called uh, and constitutes the opossums. So these are, well, small marsupials, look a little bit like possums, that are found uh, throughout the Americas, particularly South Central America. There's also a couple of other small orders with a few, a handful of species also found in the Americas. Bandicoots and bilbies in particular have their own order. Another one, shrew opossums, also found in the Americas, uh, has its own order. So a few orders of of, poss- of opossums or, or similar small uh, marsupial creatures. The two main orders of marsupials, the first of those is basically the most, most of the carnivorous marsupials are in the first order, and most of the herbivorous marsupials are in the second order. So the first has about 70 species, that's the uh, Dasyriomorphia, whatever it is, about 70 species. Most of the carnivorous marsupials are in that one, and the, the Diprotodontia, uh, most of the herbivorous marsupials, about 120 species. So again, we see a, a classification based on the sort of, um, uh, behavior and morphology uh, in in this case there are three families in the in the order of the carnivorous marsupials uh one family is uh constitutes the thylacines you may have heard of these uh the tasmanian tiger is the only uh species in this family that existed in recent times it's not actually extant anymore it went extinct in the 1930s uh the the last individual died in a Hobart Zoo, I believe, in the early 1930s, although there are reports that it's been sighted more recently than that, but it's generally thought to be extinct. Um, quite an interesting animal. It has its own family in, in the order of carnivorous marsupials, thylacines. Uh, there's another family with one species of numbat, which again is a sort of small wombat-like animal found in, uh, I think it's found in Australia. And then, But most of the species in this order are found in a family which, is, which has the Basically, the Tasmanian devil is is probably the most well-known animal that, that fits into that family. There's a few other things as well, quolls and, and dunats and other things, which I haven't really heard of. But the, the Tasmanian devils, and there's a variety of different species of those, fit into their family there. So, so that's the order of carnivorous marsupials. And then if we jump to the Diprotodontia, the herbivorous marsupials, there's there's more families of this. There's, there's maybe 10 or so, 10 or 12 different families within this order, so a bit more diverse. So by far the largest family in this uh, order of herbivorous marsupials is, uh, with about 60 species, that which contains the kangaroos and the wallabies, the hopping marsupials found in uh, mostly in Australia, I think also some in, in, in New Guinea. So uh, most of the diversity, or about half of the species of herbivorous marsupials are kangaroos or wallabies, so quite a lot of those. Also, there are a number of different species of possums, actually, and, and they fit into quite a number of, of different families. So there, there are brush-tailed possums in one family. Um, there are pygmy possums in another family, ring-tailed possums in another family, and then uh, one family, again, has uh, a number of possums that are probably familiar to uh, to Australian listeners, uh, the, the leadbeater's possum, uh, yellow-bellied glider, sugar glider, uh, squirrel glider, and striped possum. They, they're all in the, their own family. 
The honey possum is by itself in uh, yet another family, and uh, again, I'm not going to bother with the names of these families because I can't pronounce any of them, and uh, the feather-tailed glider and feather-tailed possum, two species in their own family again. So, so most of the takeover from that is most of the different families within the order of uh, herbivorous marsupials are, are various forms of possums. Uh, and so there's several dozen different species of possums, maybe 50 or something uh, put together. I already mentioned the, the family containing the, the kangaroos and wallabies, so what's left? There's, there's another family which contains rat kangaroos and um, betongs and, uh, and another animal called potaroos. Basically, they're kind of like small kangaroos, about eight species of those. Um, they're, they're a separate family to the main uh, lot of kangaroos and wallabies, but s sort of fairly similar in terms of morphology. But what does that leave if we take out the kangaroos and the wallabies and then the small rat kangaroo versions and then all of the different types of possums? There are two families left. One family uh, contains a single species, and that's the koala, which I'm sure you've heard of, and another family contains the three species of wombats. So they exist sort of by themselves as distinct animals. So if we're, we're talking about marsupials, basically we've got the carnivorous marsupials in one order, uh, which include Tasmanian tiger, numbat, and Tasmanian devils. And then in the another order, we have the herbivorous marsupials, basically kangaroos, wallabies, possums, and then your koala and your wombats. There's also one other order of uh, marsupials, which I don't think I mentioned, uh, and they contain two species called the marsupial moles, which I guess are a little bit like wombats, but not quite the same thing. So, that's the marsupials, about 330 species in total. Again, they carry young in their pouch, as distinct from the placental mammals, which use a placenta to nourish the fetus. As I mentioned before, marsupials are only really found in Australia, New Guinea, and, and uh, South Central America. Uh, and so their, their diversity is much less than uh, that of the, the placental mammals, which uh, have, have most of the diversity of the, the mammalian class. So that's what we're now going to move on to, the, the placental mammals, sort of the, the real mammals, as, as you as you might sort of uh, say from an anthropomorphic perspective. These are the mammals that are closest to, most closely related to humans. Okay, so how many mammals, are, how many mam mammalian orders are there in the uh, subclass Eutheria, or the placental mammals? Uh, about 15 or 16 or so, so about 15 or 16 orders, which is a fair bit of diversity, although that, that is a fair bit smaller, uh, say, than uh, the number of orders of birds or um, the number of orders of uh, bony fish, for example, which uh, exceeded 20 or 30. So a fair bit of diversity in placental mammals, but not as much as some of the other, some of the other classes uh, within the phyla of chordates. But anyway, let's talk about uh, what these different orders are. I think what I'll do is go through them in order of the, the diversity, with a couple of exceptions. So that is the number of species within each within each order. So, by far the largest, oh, sorry, not, not quite by far, um, by a, a reasonable margin, the largest order of uh, placental mammals is called rodentia. And basically these are the rats and the mice and beavers, hamsters, that sort of thing. So, rodents, essentially. There are over 2,300 species of rodents. So, almost half of all placental mammals, maybe 40% of all placental mammals, are rodents of one sort or another. So, a, a great deal of uh, diversity there. Uh, there are lots of lots of families, maybe 20 or 30 different families. Uh, remember, that's the one just below order. Uh, families with, within the within Rodentia. Some of them small, some of them large. I'll just talk about uh, mention some of the main ones. One of the largest ones is a family of of 600 species, which contains hamsters, uh, muskrats, and voles. So hamsters and voles are, uh, of course, rodents. I mean, that's not terribly surprising. Uh, lots and lots of different species and a lot of diversity. There are 600 uh, in total. That, I mean, that's more than uh, 
far more than, say, the total number of primate species, even though primates is an order, whereas we're just talking about a single family here. Another big family are Muridae, which is the true mice, rats, and gerbils. So they're closely related, about 700 different species of mice, rats, and gerbils. Some other interesting inclusions, uh, the mountain beaver has its own family, only one species in that family, but then there's 285 different species of squirrels. There's also uh, another family which are just ordinary beavers as opposed to the mountain beaver, two different species of those. There's another interesting family composed of about 60 species of kangaroo mats, uh, excuse me, kangaroo rats and kangaroo mice. Uh, these are so-called because they kind of look a bit like kangaroos, but they're not actually marsupials. They are placental mammals, um, so they're sort of misnamed uh, to a degree. And again, this is where it can be useful to have an idea of, of of taxonomy, because an animal might be called a kangaroo rat, even though it's actually not really that closely related to kangaroos. There's another fairly large family of uh, species, including which include climbing mice, rock mice, and white-tailed rats. 37 species of mole rats and bamboo rats. 29 different species of dormice. Porcupines have their own family of about 11 different species. Oh, I should say, sorry, actually, there are two different families of porcupines. One old world porcupines and another new world porcupines. This is a distinction that you see or, or a, a classification that you see occasionally in, in the taxonomical system. Uh, you see it with monkeys as well, old world and new world monkeys. The old world basically refers to Europe, Asia, and Africa, which is the sort of old world from the perspective of, of Europeans or Middle Eastern peoples, um, the land masses that they knew about. Uh, the New World is, of course, the Americas, uh, which are split off from, from the um, Afro-Eurasian land mass. And so the Old World refers to Afro-Eurasia and the New World, the, the Americas. And so that, that's a distinction that's often useful to know about in, in taxonomy, because it's uh, often, because those land masses split off from each other tens of millions of years ago, well, although there have been land bridges more recently than that, but um, the land masses have been more or less distinct for quite some time now. There has been a fair bit of divergence, uh, diversion evolution between those two uh, land masses. So often the, there'll be one branch that sort of evolved in the Americas and one which evolved in Afro-Eurasia, hence why we need to distinguish between old world and new world uh, versions of, of certain species. And, and porcupines are one example of that. So there's uh, 11 species of old world porcupines and 16 species of new world porcupines. Uh, another interesting family in the in Rodentia are cavies or guinea pigs. Uh, they're not really pigs, uh, as you might note. Uh, pigs will will come up later, but they're in a different order. Uh, guinea pigs are more closely related to rats than they are to pigs, so the name's a bit misleading. Uh, Thirteen species of those. Uh, quite a few other families of of rodents, which honestly I'd never even heard of before, including chinchilla rats, spiny rats, hooches, river rat, tuku tuku, or all sorts of uh, weird and wonderful things. It's also interesting to note how different these sorts of classifications are, again, and this is a point I made before, too, how we might naively classify things. Like, for example, it's not the case that all rats are in the same family. There's one family that has most rats and, and tr the true mice, but then there's a few other things that are called rats, like comb rats, for example, or African mole rats, or cane rats, dassy rats, which have their own families. So they're not true rats. And this is a case, uh, this is similar to what we saw earlier when, for example, when we talked about bugs in the um, in, uh, in, uh, in arthropods. There's one um, order, I think, which has which is comprised of true bugs, and then there's other things which are kind of call bugs, but are not actually bugs, uh, strictly speaking. So that, that's another very common uh, thing that we see in taxonomy and is useful to, to be aware of. Anyway, I think that's enough said about, about the rodents. Uh, let's move on now and talk about the second largest order uh, of 
placental mammals. Remember, 5,200 species, and we've already accounted for 2,300 of them in the rodents. The next largest order is uh, has 1,100 different species, and these are the bats. There are 20 families of bats, so lots and lots of different types of bats. Uh, again, very very diverse um, type of animal. And this also illustrates another point, which is that the words that we tend to use to refer to animals are quite different to... They, they don't reflect very well the diversity within that type of animal. So, for example, many people could name all sorts of different types of dogs or cats, but actually all domestic dogs and cats are the same species, whereas most people probably only know maybe a few different types of bats at most, but actually there's over a thousand different types of bats. So having you know one word for bats and lots of words for dogs is not really comparable in terms of the actual biological diversity. So it's, it's, it's useful to be aware of uh, where the diversity lies and where it doesn't lie. In the case of placental mammals, much of the diversity lies in rodents and bats. Now, uh, some of the larger families of bats uh, include free-tailed bats. About 100 species of those, uh, they're found in the New World. There are 300 different species of Vespa bats. Uh, those are found worldwide. Old-world fruit bats, um, which are one that you may be more common with, there are 186 different species of those. Uh, just to you know, put that into some context, that is comparable to the number of species of cats, dogs, bears, seals, weasels, skunks, hyenas, badgers, otters, weasels, raccoons, and a bunch of other things all put together. All just in one little type or one single family uh, of bats, old world fruit bats. So enormous diversity where you wouldn't necessarily expect it, even in the placental mammals. Sackwing bats... Uh, a tropical species, about uh, a tropical family, I should say, 51 different species. There's a, an interesting type of rat called the bumblebee rat, which is a really, really tiny uh, rat. It's not quite as small as a bumblebee, but it is very, very small. There's only one species, and it's, and it's uh, quite critically endangered, I understand, but uh, quite an interesting animal. There are uh, some other smaller uh, families, uh, mustache bats, bulldog bats, New Zealand short-tailed bats, Madagascar bats, disc-wing bats, smoky bats, funnel-eared bats... Old world leaf nosed bats, uh, I already mentioned those, false vampire bats, just many, many different types of, of bats. Fascinating to see the, the diversity here. Most, most of the families have, you know, a dozen or 20 or so species in them, some of them only one or two, others, you know, 100 or so. Largest one, as I mentioned, 300 species of Vespa bats found worldwide. 1,100 species overall in the order, so a great deal of diversity to be found there. So between just the rodents and the bats, we've already accounted for 3,400 of the 5,200 uh, placental mammal species. And that's only two of the orders, of the roughly 15 orders. So let's move down the list. The next most populous order are the insectivores. There are about 540 different species of insectivores, and these are animals like moles, shrews, and hedgehogs, basically, that eat insects. So, again, you might not have sort of realized there were so many of these types of animals, but there are. There are, in particular, a single family uh, in this order has most of the diversity, about 376 different species of shrews. Shrews alone, 376 species, just amazing. Some of the other families in include uh, golden moles, which are distinct from moles and shrew moles. Uh, those are in separate families. And there are also uh, another family containing an animal called tree shrews, and yet another called, called, uh, containing animals called elephant shrews. So many different types of shrews. True shrews in the family that contains most of the shrews, and then there's other things called shrew moles uh, and elephant shrews. So, so mostly shrews. Hedgehogs are found in their own family. There are about 24 different species of hedgehogs. 
And there are a few other families uh, in there as well, about eight or nine in total uh, in, in Insectivore, Insectivoria, the, uh, the order. So basically moles, shrews, and hedgehogs eating insects. Moving down the list, the next most populous order is uh, that of the carnivores, Carnivora, which has uh, nearly 300 species. Now, this order is really uh, contains a lot of different types of animals, at least as uh, as far as we would sort of naively classify them. That is, a lot of if you if a person was asked to uh, write a list of animals, then probably a lot of the animals that they would write down would be found in this order here of carnivores. Also, probably a few from from uh, the the two the next two the orders that, that we're going to cover here. But there are only 280 species, which is about the same as some of the families of of uh, rodents or of bats. So it's interesting how the diversity plays out with, with our familiarity with them. But but this order of carnivores is a little bit misleading because it doesn't actually not all of the animals in this order are actually carnivores. That is, they don't all eat meat. Most of them do, but not all of them. And so the the name is really based on the fact that they're sort of descended from animals which from uh, an ancestor which was a carnivore, and many of them are carnivores, but they're not necessarily carnivores just because they're in this order, which is a little bit confusing. Anyway, so what is in this order? There's perhaps a, a dozen or so families in this order, and you, you might be sort of surprised by what animals are, are, are grouped in here, because so far, let's think about the orders we've had so far in placental mammals. We've had insectivores, okay, you know, shrews, moles, hedgehogs, I, you know, you can sort of see those fitting together. Uh, bats, of course, yes, those fit together, and uh, then rodents, so moles, uh, so, sorry, so um, rats, mice, squirrels, and beavers, those sort of fit. This family of carnivores has a at least what would seem to us to be much more diversity. So the the first family in it is uh, the 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 largest family consists of badgers, otters, weasels, uh, martens, and ferrets. So at, l- at least to me, I was quite surprised to see that badgers fit in alongside otters, weasels, and ferrets. But they do about fifty-seven different types of species uh, of those different types of species all, all put together, and those are just in one family. So they are quite closely related. Badgers are quite closely related to uh, weasels and ferrets. Interestingly enough, the next largest family within that order are, is um, what we might call the felines. About forty species of well, cats essentially, including lions, tigers, jaguars, leopards, lynx, puma, cheetah, and the domestic cat, as well as some various other types of cats that, that are less well known. Remember the domestic cat is only a single species uh, of the a single one of the 41 different species of cats uh, that there are most of them are larger and more fierce so quite a lot of different species there and it's perhaps not so surprising that those are you know related to the otters and the weasels uh, because they're, they're kind of similar there's another family uh, of sort of cats that live in trees um gannets and civets or I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. Uh, about 30 different species there. There's about 34 different species of mongoose, which has a, their own family. Uh, another grouping, another family in the uh, order of cats is the hyena, four different species of hyena. And as you might expect, the canids or the canines are also in this family, uh, quite closely related to cats uh, in the same order. About 35 different species of dogs, wolves, jackals, foxes, and dingoes. Uh, dogs, domestic dogs, descend from wolves. It's thought that they were first domesticated something like 17,000 years ago, uh, so they are quite closely related to wolves. Another family that fits in here are the bears. So this includes the black bear, the brown bear, polar bear, and also pandas. Now, pandas are an interesting one because they are not carnivores, although occasionally they have been seen to eat meat, but mostly they eat bamboo shoots, even though they are quite closely related to other types of bears, and that they are fit within the same order, carnivores, uh, as lions, tigers 
and hyenas and cats and dogs, which wouldn't, wasn't obvious to me. But perhaps the biggest surprise in this in, in this interesting order here are the seals, which actually also fit into uh, the order of carnivores. This game is a, a kind of a shock to me because I had no idea that seals and also sea lions and walruses, all of them are in, in the uh, order of carnivore. There's about 15 different species of sea lions and fur seals, about 20 species of seals and one species of walrus. All of them have, all of those three have their own families uh, within the order of, of carnivores, and they're also fairly closely related to, um, you know, cats and lions and tigers and so on, because they're in the same order. If you look at a picture of a seal, you can actually sort of see how it looks a bit like a cat. It sort of has the whiskers in the same way. Uh, so, very interesting example of, of how we can improve our understanding of, uh, sort of a layperson's understanding of the relationship between different animals by studying taxonomy. Because at least what I would have thought is that seals would be more closely related to dolphins and whales. But they're not. They're more closely related to cats and bears. Very interesting. Oh, and one final family in carnivores that I forgot to mention is the raccoons and ringtails and a few other things, about 14 different species of those. They have their own family as well. So basically, carnivores includes cats, dogs, bears, seals, weasels, skunks, badgers, raccoons, hyenas, uh, quite quite a different mix of, of animals, and about three, uh, 280 species in total, as I mentioned before. Now the next two families kind of are kind of fit together, but they are excuse me the next two orders kind of are related to each other, although they are distinct orders. That's why I put them together. Uh, one has all of the even-toed hoofed animals, and another the odd-toed hoofed animals. The first order has about 220 different species, the even-toed hoofed animals, and the next one is only about one-tenth of the size, about 20 different species, uh, the odd-toed hoofed animals. And you might think it odd that whether the number of toes is even or odd is something of significance that we would base classifying animals on, but but actually this is exactly the sort of morphological difference which certainly traditional sort of Linnaean taxonomy looked for when deciding where to fit in animals. This is a, well, it's useful in terms of making a distinction, but also it does tend, these sort of things do tend to track evolutionary relationships. Anyway, let's start with the even-toed hoofed animals. Uh, and, and if that's unclear to you, this, I mean, literally just does mean the animals have a hoof which has an even number of toes, as opposed to animals that have hoofs with an odd number of toes. And you'll see what I mean there uh, when, when I give some examples. So by far, the even-toed hoofed animals has more uh, diversity. There, there's maybe uh, 10 or so families in this order. The largest is bovids, which is basically cattle. There's 140 different species of, of bovids. This includes bison, a bison, a buffalo, antelopes, gazelles, sheep, goats, uh, and cows, other types of cattle. So uh, quite a wide, wide range there. The next largest family within this order consists of deer, which includes elk, moose, reindeer, and, uh, and other types of deer. Now, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but I'll just mention it again now because it's uh, relevant here. Within the family of bovids, antelopes are an example of a waste bucket taxon. If you recall, I mentioned that earlier, where you just sort of throw a whole bunch of leftover species into a single category because they don't sort of fit anywhere else. Antelopes are an example of that because within bovids, you have the bison and the buffalo and the gazelles and the sheep and goats and cattle. You separate all that out. Whatever's left over are just called antelopes. And so m- most bovids are actually antelopes, and that's just because antelopes is uh, a catch-all taxon. It, it actually doesn't have a very precise, uh, very precise meaning. So, again, uh, useful things to learn uh, from taxonomy. 
some of the sort of lay terms we use to describe animals actually refer to very specific animals, like examples would include the platypus and the echidna, where there's only one species or maybe a couple of species. Uh, pandas would be another one. Hippopotamus, as we'll see, there are only two species of, of, of those. Um, others, like antelopes, refer to a, a wide range of different species um, and really aren't, don't refer to a very specific thing. It's just sort of a catch bag, a catch-all bag. Anyway, that's the bovids. Also, interesting inclusions in this uh, order include the family, uh, which includes domestic pigs, wild pigs, and warthogs. There's about 16 different species of pigs in total. Then there's a separate family of New World pigs. So, again, we see this distinction here between Old World pigs and New World pigs, 16 and 4 species respectively, split up into two different families. You recall we saw that uh, with, with uh, one of the species of bats, and we'll see, we'll see it again with, with monkeys as well. Some interesting inclusions here. Uh, some of the other families... There are two different species of uh, giraffe. Or, well, actually, there's one species of giraffe and then uh, another species called uh, Okopi, or Okopi. I haven't actually heard of those before. Okopi, which, which, are in their, which are in their own family. There is also the family of uh, Camelidae, or whatever it's, however it's pronounced, which includes six species of camels, llamas, and alpacas. Again, even toad-hoofed animals. This is the order we're looking at. So if you think about all of these animals, you can sort of imagine yet yeah, that they have hoofs with an even number of toes. And uh, probably one of my favourites, the, uh, the family that contains the hippopotamus and the pygmy hippopotamus. So a fair bit of diversity inside uh, even-toed animals. Uh, basically, uh, a lot of animals that are used for uh, domestication and, and food livelihood throughout history. So particularly, you know, the, the bison and buffalo, uh, sheep, goats, uh, also camels, llamas, alpacas, uh, domestic pigs, wild pigs, new world pigs. Uh, not really so much the giraffe uh, or hippopotamus, but... Uh, so quite a lot of the uh, sort of what you might think of as farm animals uh, fit into this category here of even-toed hoofed animals. As I mentioned before, the sort of corollary or counterpart to the even-toed hoofed animals order is the order of odd-toed hoofed animals. There are only 18 species in this order, so it's a fairly small one. Uh, three families. Uh, one family includes five species of rhinoceros. Uh, another family, four species of tapir or tapir, and nine species of horses, donkeys, and zebras. So, uh, horses are probably the easiest uh, to visualize in terms of what we mean by odd toed, because clearly, I mean, horses essentially have a single toe. It's really multiple toes sort of fused together into one hoof, uh, which is different to how it works for, you know, um, pigs and, and uh, cattle and, and other animals in the odd toed. I should also mention that these types of animals are called ungulates. They are animals that have hooves. So, we can talk about uh, even toed ungulates and odd toed uh, ungulates is, is another term you might hear. Okay, so that's those two orders finished with. Let's now move on to talking about uh, one of the next most populous orders, cetaceans. There's about 90 species in this order, and these are the whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Uh, the largest, uh, there's maybe eight families here, uh, and this includes uh, 33 species of marine dolphins, and that's uh, a fair bit of the diversity in, in the order here, 33 species of marine dolphins. But there are also river dolphins, which have their own sort of family and porpoises are six different uh, species of those. And then the rest of the, sp the, rest of the families in this order uh, consist of different types of whales. So uh, one family has nine species, and these are the, the uh, Rorqual whales, not quite sure how to pronounce that, uh, which has nine species. Uh, this the blue whales are included in, in this family here. Uh, another family has uh, only one species, uh, the grey whale. Then there's the, the bowhead and right whales, which have their own family. Sperm whales, three species of those. Uh, beaked whales, 21 species of those. 
And uh, there's also two species in a family, uh, which consists of the, the narwhale and the uh, beluga whale. So, so quite a number of different types of whales all split up into different families, whereas most of the dolphins are uh, contained within only uh, a couple of, only two families, uh, plus uh, the, the porpoises which have their own family. So a fair bit of diversity in whales, although, although not, not nearly so much as, as say, in, in bats or rodents. As I mentioned, uh, 90 different uh, species of, of cetacea. Uh, I probably should mention that hopefully most of you are familiar with the idea that dolphins and whales and porpoises are mammals. They give birth to live young, they you know breathe air, they have fur, and so on. Some people think of them as fish, but that's incorrect. They're, they're certainly not, uh, well, they're not the invertebrate type of fish that you know I mentioned uh, at the very start of the podcast in, that are in completely different phyla, but they're also not um, either ray-finned or... Uh, lobe-finned fish, uh, which are uh, in, in, in a separate class outside of mammals. So whales and dolphins are much more closely related to, say, humans uh, than are other types, well, than are fish proper. And it's also interesting to note, as I mentioned before, that seals are not particularly closely related to uh, whales and dolphins, although they are both uh, aquatic mammals. They are in different orders, and so they split off from each other a fair while ago. Okay, that's the cetaceans. Now we have uh, an order containing 80 different species uh, called Lagomorpha. This has the the Lagomorphs. These essentially... uh, Lagomorph basically means animals that are adapted to... Well, it means plant-eating, but but it's the the idea of of more gnawing or chewing. So if you imagine a a rabbit with large front teeth which uh, is nibbling on a carrot, that's essentially the idea of uh, Lagomorpha as an order. It's animals like that that have big teeth and and sort of gnaw on on plant matter. Um, Basically, it's hares, rabbits, and and pika. Pika are kind of like rabbits, really. They have one family with about 30 species, and then there are the rabbits and hares, 50 different species in their own family. It's kind of interesting to me that... uh, an entire order of mammals, uh, lagomorphs, which I, I, you know, beforehand wouldn't have predicted, sort of merited uh, as much of a category as, say, carnivores or insectivores, of which there are many more different types of uh, different species. So not nearly as much diversity within that within that order. Only only two different families. So we've covered basically all of the larger orders of placental mammals already. Uh, there are perhaps uh, eight or so more uh, small ones, which I'll go through in much less uh, detail because there are only a, a handful of species in most of these. Uh, one species called Xenartha, it starts with an X, I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, contains 29 species. This has anteaters, uh, treethlos, and armadillos. And honestly, I'm not really sure why anteaters aren't classified as insectivores. I suppose there's a reason for that, but again, it's another example of uh, a sort of non-intuitive um, distinction uh, in classification. Uh, then then we start to get to quite small ones. There's an interesting mammal called the pangolian, or pangolin, which, uh, and there's eight different species of this. It is the only known scaly mammal, so it looks a little bit like a reptile, but it is actually a mammal. It's got scales, though. It's quite interesting. Uh, look it up. Eight species of those, they're in their own order, because they're, they're quite distinct. Uh, then there is an order called Sirenia. Four species of sea cows, a little bit like whales, but again, different. Again, they're, they're their own order. There are uh, four species of hyrax, which is a small rodent-like animal that has its own order. Elephants and mammoths have their own order. Three different species. I, I believe there are two species of elephants, the African and the uh, Indian elephants, and mammoths uh, are extinct. 
I, I included them in there just because and mammoths are pretty cool. Anyway, two species of uh, flying lemurs and one species that's in an order all by itself, the aardvark. That's, uh, that's special, the aardvark. Quite an unusual animal. Also, most, most well-known simply because of its place uh, very early in the dictionary as it starts with two A's. Uh, but it's uh, also special because it has its own order in the uh, in the placental mammal subclass. So that's basically all the mammals, except you might have noticed that I've missed out one very important order. In fact, one that I've been talking about uh, almost constantly over the the course of this uh, this series. Uh, that is the primates. I haven't actually talked in detail about the primates yet. I sort of skipped those because I deliberately wanted to finish on the primates, uh, hopefully for obvious reasons. There are about 400 different species of primates, so they're one of the larger orders in, in placental mammals. Remember the biggest ones, uh, rodents with 2,300 species, uh, bats with 1,100 species, and insectivores with uh, 540 species. Um, but then just below that are the primates with about 400 species, so quite a lot of, of different types of primates, a fair bit of diversity there. There are two main suborders within the, the order of, uh, of primates. Uh, one has basically lemurs and other things that are like lemurs, including uh, lorisids and, and galagos and things like that. Um, th- there's a bunch of, th- there's about six or so uh, families within that suborder, uh, over 110 species. Uh, so lemurs, sportive lemurs, bush babies, uh, dwarf and mouse lemurs. Won't dwell on those uh, because they're less, uh, they're more distantly related to, to humans, uh, but they have their own suborder and about. Uh, uh, one quarter of all primates are uh, lemurs of one sort or another. But then we move on to the other suborder, which c- includes um, monkeys and apes, and also tarsiers. Tarsiers are interesting animals. They're, they're sort of like, well, they're a little bit like monkeys, but they're small and they have very large eyes. They, they are nocturnal, uh, hence the large eyes. Um, they look slightly cute and slightly creepy at the same time. I suggest looking up a, a picture of them. But anyway, uh, tarsiers have their own family. There's about ten species of those. And then the remaining eight families or so within the, the suborder of Tarsis, monkeys, and apes basically uh, can be divided up into what I think of as sort of three... Th- these aren't even really taxonomical groups. It's just sort of a, it's sort of a classical way of talking, about, um, of talking about some of the higher primates. There's the monkeys, the lesser apes, and the greater apes. And of course, as you go along from monkeys to lesser to greater apes, that you get closer and closer to humans. So th- that's perhaps a slightly useful way of thinking about it. There's also uh, there's tarsiers and mar- marmosets and uh, which which are in their own family. So tarsiers ten species, marmosets uh, have about forty two different species. Mar- marmosets are uh, essentially uh, new world monkeys. So this uh, harkens back to the distinction I was uh, re- referring to before about the old world versus new world example. There, there's another there's another family of monkeys with over one hundred and thirty different species called old world monkeys. Um, and so these ones are the the new world monkeys. The, the marmosets. There's also di- uh, there's other families of monkeys as well. There's squirrel monkeys, which have their own family, 17 species, 10 species of owl monkeys, uh, 28 species of howler and spider monkeys, and there is also a, a family containing uh, about 40 species uh, of animals called the the, the Titus, the Titus, Sacus, uh, Sacus, and another name that I can't even pronounce. The, the, these are other versions of New World monkeys, essentially, uh, monkeys found in the Americas. Uh, so, in total, that's about, what, six different families of monkeys, so quite a lot of diversity uh, among monkeys, uh, perhaps 200 or 250 different species in total, and 
they form the majority of the diversity w- within the, the primate order, so so different families of monkeys. When added to the, the tarsiers, that leaves only 24 different species, uh, 24 additional species, uh, which include the lesser apes and the greater apes. The 17 species of lesser apes are gibbons, and gibbons look kind of a bit like chimpanzees, I guess. I mean, loosely you can sort of think of them as a cross between monkeys and chimpanzees. Or that's obviously not correct. They're gibbons, they're their own thing, but that's a little bit what they look like. Uh, they're evolutionarily more distant from humans than, uh, than, than the greater apes, but, but a bit closer than the monkeys. So, 17 species of gibbons. We now move on to the so-called greater apes, um, so-called because they are larger and, I guess, supposedly more intelligent than the, the so-called lesser apes, or the gibbons. There are seven species of, of these. Uh, they're, they're within the family called hominids. This consists of humans plus our closest uh, relatives in, in the great apes, and also a number of extinct species that I'll mention briefly later. So seven species of great apes. Um, the evolutionarily most distant of these from humans uh, are the orangutan. These are found in uh, Southeast Asia. There's there's two species of orangutan, Bornean and Sumatra, basically found in the islands of Borneo and Sumatra, uh, respectively. Next closest related are the gorillas. Two species of gorilla. Those are these are found in Africa. There are two species of chimpanzee, which are also found in Africa, Central Africa particularly, uh, the common chimpanzee, and the bonobo, which is uh, a fairly rare form of the chimpanzee, rare in the sense that their range is quite restricted. Uh, they're also much less sort of violent, uh, much less aggressive than the common chimpanzee, as far as I've been able to determine. Quite, quite interesting how uh, so, such two closely related species can be quite different in behavior in many ways. And then, uh, finally, we arrive at the genus Homo, which has only one species, uh, Homo sapiens, and that is, of course, human beings. It literally means wise man, Homo sapiens. Although there is only one extant species of uh, in the Homo genus, there are a number of extinct species which also are thought to be uh, classified in the, the Homo genus. These include species you may have heard of before, include, including Homo habilis, lived about two million years ago, Homo erectus, a little bit more recently, Homo neanderthalensis, uh, that one's very controversial because Neanderthals, or Neanderthals, uh, only died out a few tens of thousands of years ago. Some people think that, or some scientists think that they should actually be classified as a subspecies rather than a separate species. So they would prefer to say that there are, there's one species, Homo sapiens, and then within that there is a subspecies, Homo sapiens sapiens, which is modern humans, and then there's another subspecies, Homo sapiens neanderthalensis, which are Neanderthals, and there are perhaps even other subspecies that people have proposed. That's still quite controversial. At least for our purposes here, I think it's a bit simpler just to think of Neanderthals as being a separate species in the Homo genus, because it's just a bit neater, but the, the final word is certainly not in on that, and I'll probably at some point in the future do a podcast specifically on human evolution, because that is a very interesting and complicated topic. But there are certainly a number of other extinct species in the Homo genus, including some of those I mentioned. Uh, Homo gaster is another one, and there are quite a lot of them. More are being discovered uh, all the time, really. And it's still a bit up in the air as to exactly how all that fits together. But certainly only one species of human beings. I should mention that uh, some, uh, briefly about race. 
Different races of humans are not considered to be different species. There was some sort of debate about this in the late 19th century or early 20th century, but that's pretty much over now. Uh, it's indisputable, uh, biologically speaking, that all human beings are part of the same species. The one classic criteria for whether uh, different animals are part of the same species, it's not perfect, but it's sort of pretty good, rough and ready measure, is whether they can interbreed, and all humans can, can interbreed with each other uh, easily enough. Also, the genetic difference between humans in different so-called races is uh, quite low. Um, in fact, there's more genetic diversity within uh, within races, uh, say uh, Africans or black people or whatever you want to call them, whatever one wants to refer to, to that so-called race as. Uh, there's more diversity within that group of people than there is between uh, black people and all of the other alleged races. Uh, so... Races are not really used as a, a taxonomical concept at all. Uh, well, there is actually a, a taxa, a, sort of a, um, a name called race, but that doesn't really correspond to the same thing we think of as race. It's just a sort of a technical term. Also, along similar lines, the different varieties of cats and dogs and other domestic animals as well, even though they can look dramatically different, are all part of the same species. There's one species of domestic dog, one species of domestic cat. Um, the, the different types are what are sometimes called breeds, I guess the, the key point to understand there is despite what seem perhaps to us to be quite striking physical differences, perhaps in humans, that skin colour or, or the shape of the eye or other things like that, and in the case of cats and dogs, it's in terms of the, the size and, and shape of tail and face and things like that. Uh, despite those apparently very large or substantial physical differences, the actual underlying morphology, uh, anatomy, behaviour and so on is very, very similar. In fact, so close that they are, they are part of the same species. So, uh, just a brief note on, on that to uh, clarify what, to some people, can be a little bit confusing. So, let's finish off this uh, this series of episodes by just uh, starting at the top and going down the uh, the tree of life to outline uh, how humans fit in at all. So, humans, so at the, at the very highest level, humans are uh, eukaryotes. That's the domain of life that we are in. That means that we have. Uh, cells which have a nucleus and complicated intracellular uh, organelles and uh, more complicated DNA regulation, other things like that, distinct from bacteria and other types of prokaryotes. So humans are eukaryotes. That's the domain we're in. Then the next level down is kingdom. We're in the animal kingdom, which means that we get our energy or, or sources of carbon from somewhere else. So we, we eat, basically, uh, as opposed to photosynthesizing or eating uh, dead things like fungi do. And we also move around. So, kingdom of animals. Within that, we are in the phyla, or phylum, of uh, chordates, chordata, which means we have a notochord, more or less a backbone. Not quite right, but close enough. And that distinguishes us from some of the other phyla, say, arthropods and mollusks and echinoderms, which I mentioned before, and also the different types of worms. Within the phylum of chordates, we fit into the class of uh, mammals, or mammalia, which means that we give birth to live young and suckle our young and have fur. Actually, that's quite interesting because humans are one of the few mammals which don't have very much fur or really don't have any fur. We have a bit of... We have hair, but not, not fur in the same way as most other mammals. There are a few other examples. The rhinoceros is one, one other example, uh, and the elephant. Um, I, do, I don't think it's actually known why humans don't have a fur in that way, but anyway, that's a bit of an aside. So in the class of, of mammals, uh, within mammals we fit in the order of primates, monkeys, chimpanzees... Within the order of primates, we are in the family of hominids, which is the great apes, 
chimpanzees, gorillas, orangutans, and humans. Then we are in the genus Homo and the species uh, Homo sapiens. So, from the top, eukaryotes, eukaryotes, animals, chordates, mammals, primates, Homo, Homo sapiens. That's where we are. That's where we sit in relation to the uh, one and a half or so million other species of animals that have been described. Just one among uh, very many of the twigs on the outer edge of the, of the tree of life. More uh, animal species are being discovered all the time. And our knowledge of how they are best classified and how they're related to, to each other will certainly continue to improve in coming decades, particularly as uh, methods in cladistics and phylogenetics and so on um, uh, become more widely adopted and more better understood, and we, we gain more information about that. So, that's the end of our journey. That's all for this episode. Hopefully you didn't find it too sort of tedious or difficult to follow. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would jump onto iTunes and give the podcast a favorable five-star review uh, and or a written review. Uh, that really helps to uh, promote the show and to keep it up in the iTunes listing. So that's probably the single most thing, most useful thing you could do to help the show. Another thing you could do is jump onto Facebook and search for the Science of Everything podcast and like our Facebook page, which also uh, helps to improve the visibility of the show. I also post up uh, visual material to accompany the show and occasional news updates and other things. So, uh, appreciate if you do that. I'll, particularly, I'll be posting some relevant links to more, more information about this episode, uh, where you can get material to, to look at the, the, the tree. I'll, I'll probably post up my, uh, sort of PDF document that, that has a list of all of the taxa that I've been talking about, because it is a bit hard to see how it all fits together, just, just verbally, but hopefully you got the idea. Anyway, if you want to send me an email personally, uh, just to talk about how you like the show, how you don't like the show, or what suggestions you have for future topics or anything else. Uh, my email address is fods12 at gmail.com. That's F-O-D-S-1-2 at gmail.com. I always love to get uh, feedback from listeners. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>